can turn in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we'll be starting in verse 19, but as we consider, you know, these moments where we're moving closer and closer to uh, celebrating the resurrection of Christ, I just wanted to remind us all um, of the significance of what Christ has done. Uh, we can never be reminded uh, too often of this message. We as human beings have a tendency to forget or lose sight of things and, and uh, uh, get distracted from the true meaning of things sometimes. So uh, we can never hear this message uh, enough. Uh, it is always worth hearing again and again uh, to remember what Christ has done. So as we move towards res uh, under remembering the resurrection of Christ and celebrating that together, I encourage you to remember the mercy of God that was extended to us in Christ and what that means for us today. That's what we're going to talk about here in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 19. It says, uh, Therefore, brothers, uh, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day uh, approaching. So what we want to look at here today is uh, the significance, again, of what Christ has done in us, uh, that it says uh, that uh, in, in verse 20, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 19, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Christ, by the new way that he has opened for us through the curtain that is his body. The significance of this, if you, um, if you aren't aware, we'll just go back and look at uh, where this comes from, understanding uh, the old covenant and uh, the people that he was talking to in this moment. This was totally contrary to all that they had known. You see, all through this time that God in the old, under the old covenant set up the sacrificial system where people would bring, uh, you know, all of these animals for sacrifice to atone for their sins in that moment. But they would approach and they would come to this altar where they would sacrifice these animals. Then they would go and there would be a wash basin where they, the priests would cleanse themselves before they entered the actual tent or the temple where God dwelled. So they would, the, the, the common person would come and they would offer their sacrifice on the altar and then the priests would go into they would be the only ones that could go into the tent or the temple uh to to do the work of the tent or the temple uh in they so they would go to this wash basin then they would enter this first room which was called the holy place uh and there would be the table of showbread and the the, the candles the the lampstand uh and then directly ahead of them there would be the altar of incense so the priests would go in this holy place to do the work before God. They would keep new bread on the tables. They would keep the lamps burning. They would constantly have the incense burning on the altar before God. So as they would go into that, the priests could work in that room. And then 
you would get to the front of that by the altar of incense and there would be a curtain. And behind that curtain was called the most holy place. That was where God's presence dwelled. They had the Ark of the Covenant in there. And that was the place in the temple uh, where God's literal presence existed in that time uh, among Israel. So uh, the priests would go in the holy place where the, the table, the lampstand, the altar of incense was. They would go in there to do their work. Uh, and they could go in there consistently to do that work. But only one time in the year, the high priest could go into that most holy place where God dwelled. One time a year, he would enter uh, into that most holy place beyond the curtain where God dwelled. So what that was showing was there was a curtain there that separated God's presence from uh, humanity in that moment. He was there with them. He was in their midst, yet he wasn't, it wasn't, uh, something that they could approach with confidence. It wasn't something that they could just, whenever they felt like it, step into that place where God's presence was. They had to stay outside of that curtain that separated his presence from the people, the priests in that moment. Uh, so he's saying, uh, we have since then we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way uh, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. So understand that that separation existed in that moment because of the rebellion of mankind. Understand, going back all the way to the beginning, we see in, in the garden that man walked in the presence of God, that his presence was among them on a daily basis, that they had communion together, they had fellowship together, they had peace together, they walked together uh, in that garden. And the moment man choose, uh, made the decision to rebel against God, to do his own thing, to uh, seek his own way, in that moment, that relationship was uh, uh, totally uh, turned upside down, that that relationship could not exist in the same way anymore. Uh, and we see in that moment, it, the, the real... Uh, tragedy, A.W. Tozer talks about this, that the real tragedy of gar the Garden of Eden was that man was stripped of his very identity. You see, what man was created for was to walk in communion with God, to have peace with him, to have fellowship with him. That is what humanity was created for. A.W. Tozer talks about how uh, God created mankind so that, and uh, in, in we see in the Bible that the only thing in creation where God says, uh, that he breathed his life into uh, his creation, or the only thing where it says that they this this part of creation would bear his image, the only things that would take on those attributes are humanity. So A.W. Tozer talks about how God created man so he could look on them and see a mirror reflection of himself, that his glory would be mirrored back to him in the hearts uh, of mankind who bore his image. But in that moment where uh, man chose to rebel against God, that very image, the mirror was shattered. The identity of man was stolen from him. The very foundations of who we are was taken away from us. And ever since that moment, man has wandered aimlessly, hoping for some sort of positive outcome in life. Uh, but the purpose of God uh, in that moment, he was merciful to man in that he came and dwelt in the midst of Israel in that tent, but there was still a separation. They still didn't have that relationship the same way that they did in the Garden of Eden, where they were able to have communion and fellowship and peace together. 
because the conscience of man uh, was guilty. Man was guilty and their hearts could not be in the presence of God, the literal presence uh, of God and live in that way. So God prescribed this method uh, of ceremonies where man, if you read uh, throughout the word of God, and we'll get to this, uh, where it talks about how the the methods of worship in that moment then were uh, meant to cleanse man outwardly, but they could never have cleared the conscience of mankind inwardly. So the priests would go into that uh, holy place to do the, the ministry of the tent or the temple. They would deal with the bread, the lampstand, the altar of incense, but they couldn't go beyond the curtain into the presence of God. They couldn't approach that in confidence because of the guilt in their hearts, because of the sacrifices that they offered over and over could never take away fully the guilt and the, 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 uh, 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 the guilty conscience of mankind. But what he is saying now in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, that he became that, uh, uh, that very, uh, the one who would intercede on our behalf before God, that we know as Christ hung on the cross and he breathed his uh, last breath and he died, in that moment, it says the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom, meaning that that holy place where the priest could go in with the altar uh, or the, the bread in the lampstands, the altar of incense, they could go in there and do their work. They were separated by the curtain. But in that moment uh, of Christ's death, that curtain was torn from top to bottom, meaning that that curtain was done away with, that through Christ, he provided the opportunity then for man to enter into that most holy place with confidence and assurance that they were cleansed before God. They were able to enter then by his body, that he became the sacrifice that was enough to clear the conscience of man to enter into that place uh, where God dwelled. Uh, that a priest, it would no longer be the way uh, it was where a priest could only enter there one time, but that curtain was torn and no longer existed, that God would be accessible to every man in every moment uh, from now until the end. Uh, so, uh, the purpose of man, again, was to have communion with God. This is the point of salvation. This is what is so significant about Christ's work for us, his, uh, his work on the cross for us, his work of atonement for us. This is why it's so significant that we remember this and hear this over and over. The point of salvation, this is the need of every man that the very identity and purpose of man has been stripped from his heart by the enemy. But you see, God has always had a plan to redeem mankind uh, from what had, uh, uh, to redeem mankind from what had been stolen from him, to redeem him from his guilt, to redeem him back to fellowship uh, in peace with God, to redeem him back to the place of uh, having that image of God restored in him. Uh, that was the plan of God. That was always the plan of God. Uh, he had always been pointing towards that. You see, uh, we, we don't have time to get into it all today, but everything that you see in that tent of meeting, the most holy place uh, where God dwelled, in the holy place where the table and the lampstands, the altar of incense, and the altar that was outside and the wash basin, every one of those things in some way pointed towards the work that God was in, going to do through Christ 
in the Holy Spirit. So in that moment, uh, God was still pointing towards the promise that was to come in Christ. Uh, so it was always God's plan after the rebellion of man. It was always God's plan to redeem them back to communion and fellowship with himself. Uh, but it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, we have to understand, first of all, that uh, uh, God's, we have to understand the significance of who God is, meaning that sometimes we diminish God from, uh, uh, we don't think rightly of him. We, I, I know I say this all the time, but A.W. Tozer said that, Left to himself, man will immediately reduce God to manageable terms. Meaning that if I am not pursuing an actual understanding of God from his word and from his spirit, I will inevitably reduce him from what he is, who he is, how transcendent he is, how sovereign is he is, how powerful he is. I will reduce him from that to something that I can manage myself. Uh, you see, we have to understand that I need the confidence to approach him through Christ because he is so different than I am, because he is so holy, because he is so perfect. Uh, over and over, the you know old saints through the church would talk about the otherness of God, that he is so other than us, that we could not possibly approach him uh, without the confidence that comes from Christ uh, cleansing our conscience. Uh, the Bible says, uh, that he is infinite, he is self-sufficient, he is self-existent, he is unchangeable, he is all-powerful, all-knowing, he is perfect in wisdom. Uh, the 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 15, says that uh, uh, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one uh, has seen or can see. The Bible says that God dwells in unapproachable light. God is unapproachable because of his holiness. He is unapproachable by sinful man because of his holiness. But that is the point of the work of Christ on the cross, is that he would provide then the way for us to approach God with confidence and full assurance. Um, so we see then, um, let's go to, verse uh, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 9 starting in verse 13 I'm sorry starting in verse 15 it says uh, for this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first law uh, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant uh, that those who are called may receive the promise of uh, receive the promise of eternal inheritance because he has died as a ransom to set us free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Uh, the purpose of Christ in the earth is to draw a sinful man back to the presence of God that we would be able to approach him with a purified conscience uh, in full assurance before God. So then we see in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 19 again, uh, it says, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened us through the curtain, 
Uh, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Uh, so we, again, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Christ. Uh, there are two things then that are required of us in our approach to God, that Christ has provided the opportunity for us to enter into the most holy place where God dwells any time that we want, that we can have the presence of God any time uh, among us, that he dwells with us through his spirit in every moment of every day. But there are two things that are required of us in our approaching of God then. Again, in 10.22, it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings, uh, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We approach God with first with full assurance that faith brings. Uh, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings. We have assurance uh, that comes by faith, by our faith in Christ. We have assurance as we place our faith in Christ, meaning we have faith in his atonement and intercession on our behalf. We have faith that he is our high priest, that he is now interceding on our behalf. The Bible talks about in Hebrews how uh, Christ is able to save completely, or some versions say to the other, uttermost, because he always lives to intercede, that he is interceding for us, that he is with the Father right now, and he is the priest between us and the Father, that we are able to approach Christ, and Christ is standing before God, advocating on our behalf in this moment. But we have full assurance because we have faith that Christ is all of those things for us, that he is our high priest and he has atoned for us. Now we have to understand again what faith is. And we've talked about this before, how faith requires two things. It requires intellectual assent and trust, meaning that my mind recognizes and understands what is presented to me. That I understand uh, with my mind the atonement of Christ for me. That I understand with my mind the intercession on my behalf, that I understand that he is with the Father right now, pleading on my behalf, that he is advocating for me with the Father. I intellectually recognize that. But you see, then there is another aspect to that. Once I attain that knowledge, I understand that, that he is all of those things for me, then I have to place my trust in that. You see, then when I t gain that knowledge, that means I, in my trust of that, I order my life after that. That every decision I make is affected by that knowledge. That every conversation I have is affected by that knowledge. That the ways that I spend my money, the ways I interact with my family and my friends, that those things are affected by the knowledge that I have received. You see, I gain knowledge but then I order my life to be obedient and trust the knowledge that has been presented to me. So as I understand that, as I gain that knowledge, I understand what Christ has done for me, I understand who he is, that he is working on my behalf, then I order my life towards that. And in all of that, then, I have full assurance that I can approach God. Uh, 
So we are told that we approach God with assurance, but also a sincere heart. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings. Uh, so I approach God with sincere, sincerity, meaning that I actually desire a relationship and I desire to strive to live out all that a healthy, healthy relationship requires of me, that I understand that this Christ interceding on my behalf is the purpose of that is to allow me back into the presence of God to have communion and fellowship and peace with him, that I would once again be restored to the place of having an actual day-to-day -day relationship with God that Again, as we look back, we see that the priests could only enter into that holy, most holy place one time a year where God dwelled. But I have the confidence through Christ to enter into that uh, all the time that I have the ability to dwell with God uh, in every moment of every day. Uh, so when I understand that, then I have a sincere desire to pursue that relationship. I have a sincere de desire to step into the presence of God every day, that the, de the desires of my heart would be founded on uh, the assurance that I can approach him, but then that it is in my best interest to know God, that I desire to know him, and then understanding that to know him requires me to uh, order my life striving to live out all that a healthy relationship demands. Now, we think about what a healthy relationship demands. There is no way that you can have any sort of healthy relationship in this world w when you are passive in a relationship. Meaning that when I want to know somebody, I am attentive to them. I desire to know them. I desire to know the depths of who they are. I desire to hear them. I desire to speak to them. I desire to have communion with them, to have fellowship with them, to have peace with them. And that takes my desire. That takes me being focused on it. It takes me uh, ordering my life to accomplish that purpose. Now, what that means in context of a relationship with God is that uh, I understand that the Word of God tells me that one of the ways to understand or to know God is through prayer. So I order my life so that I have communication with God through prayer. Uh, that, that the Word of God tells us that we know God through what He has revealed about Himself in the Word, that I would order myself then to study His Word so that I understand what He has revealed about Himself, that I would order my life so that I can be in times where I am listening for God. You see, what we're saying is that my life actually has to change so that this relationship can grow and uh, continue to move forward together. So we uh, approach God with full assurance the faith brings, but we approach him also with sincerity, meaning that I actually care about this. Uh, Approaching him in sincerity also means that uh, that I am willing to accept what he has revealed about himself. Approaching God in sincerity, a sincere desire to have a relationship with him, 
means that I am willing to accept what he has revealed about himself. You see, there are times where uh, sometimes the word of God reveals things about who God is and how he desires to interact with mankind. There are people in this world that want nothing to do with that because they don't think that's the way it should be. You see, when I desire in sincerity to pursue God, I understand that he is God and I am not. And in that, then, I am willing to accept that he knows better than I know. I am willing to accept what he has revealed about himself in order my life to walk in a relationship with him, to order my life uh, in faith that he knows what he is doing, and I don't. Uh, So to know him means to desire to know him means that I am willing to accept what he has revealed about himself, not imposing my ideas on God. Uh, I am to love him, meaning that uh, God is actually a priority in my life, meaning that there might be some things in life I have to say no to in order to pursue a relationship with God. So we are to pursue him with full assurance through faith, and we are to pursue him through sincerity. And the last thing we see here uh, is that we are to encourage one another on in this relationship. That I wouldn't be passive in my own personal relationship with God, and I wouldn't be passive in the lives of the people around me in their relationship with God. That I would be somebody who's consistently encouraging them to move forward. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 24, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So in that, I would consider how I may spur other people on toward love and good deeds, uh, encouraging others to pursue God, encouraging others to order their lives so that they may know the creator of the universe, Uh, encouraging others to value the things that actually matter in light of eternity. You see, we have to be people uh, who desire to use the influence that we have uh, in a way that positively affects someone for eternity. You see, we've talked before that every single person has influence, whether you like it or not. Every single person has influence in some way. There is somebody who is looking at what you were doing and is being influenced by it. Now we have a choice about what we're going to do with that influence. Every single day we get up, there is never a moment where we are passive in our influence We are either influencing people positively, uh, eternally for God and his purposes, or we are allowing our responsibility, our influence to be wasted in that purpose. It's one or the other. We have to figure out what it means for me in my life that I would order my life in a way that I would be able to encourage one another, encourage others on towards a relationship with God, and then encourage them in the body of Christ to be a part of the body, to be an active part of the body, and to be 
a member who contributes to the body, fulfilling God's purpose for them. Um, I know in this, it says not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I understand in these moments that we are not meeting together in a physical building uh, in this moment, but it is absolutely essential uh, in these moments that we encourage one another on towards love and good deeds, that we encourage one another on towards a greater and deeper relationship with God, a greater and deeper knowledge of who he is, a greater and deeper knowledge of what God is asking for them, how they can contribute to the body of Christ. Don't be passive in these moments. Uh, pursue God in a greater understanding of what it means for you to have fellowship with him, to have communion and peace with him, to understand the significance of what Christ has done, uh, the, his atonement for us, his cleansing our conscience and allowing us to enter the most holy place where God dwells. Understand the significance of that work and then understand the significance of that work and how it affects people around you and encourage them in that work. Encourage them to go deeper. Don't wait. Do it now during these moments where we're not able to meet together and we don't know for how long, but we will again. But do not, I know I've said it uh, over and over, do not look at this time as we have to get through this and then we will get back to our relationship or the work of the church. We are not waiting for that. Everyone, every single person has to take personal responsibility for themselves and then decide that I'm going to take personal responsibility to influence someone else or other people towards love and good deeds for the purpose of Christ, understanding the work that he has done in them and the significance that that plays in their life on a daily basis. God, we thank you again today for the opportunity to worship you. Father, we thank you for the work that your son has done for us, for his atonement, for his cleansing power, for his, uh, his blood that cleansed our hearts from a guilty conscience. And Father, that we are able to enter into the most holy place where you dwell. And we don't have to wait. We don't have to go through somebody else for that. But we have the opportunity right now in this moment to be in peace, in fellowship, in communion with you. Father, help us to be people that wouldn't be passive in our relationship with you, that we would pursue you with full assurance that faith brings. Increase our faith as we approach you in sincerity. And Father, out of that, help us to be people who would influence others, who would encourage others towards love and good deeds, who would love others, who would desire to see them grow in depths of knowledge and insight as to who you are and how they can serve you and the body of Christ. Father, we love you today. Is your name we pray. Amen.